You're listening to the Farm Report Podcast with Jake and Corey, brought to you by Indians Baseball Insider and broadcast on the Smoke Signals Podcast Network. We're talking tribe. tuning in we are glad to have you aboard i'm jake dungan editor-in-chief for indians baseball insider welcoming you back to another edition of the farm report podcast that's right we are back after a brief two-week hiatus we had uh of course our beloved co-host Corey christen was uh undergoing a, a heart procedure and we are fortunate and very glad to say he is not only uh, back on the men, but back with us here on the airwaves to talk about the uh, 2018 minor league season here with the Indians farm system. So, uh, Corey, glad to have you back. Hey, Jake, it's great to be back. And, um, yeah, I'm glad I got to be back before the end of the season. A lot of these minor league, um, these levels and these leagues, you know, the International League and the Eastern League have their uh, postseason series, uh, you know, the end of the year is coming up and New York Penn League's over and, you know, the baseball season is slowly winding down. But hey, I'm, like you said, thank you for the, for the wishes and thank you everybody that's listening in for the wild wishes. I really do appreciate it. My family appreciates it, but, um, everything went well. I got out in and out of the hospital by Thursday of that week. So it was a quick, you know, four day stay up at University Hospitals in Cleveland. I got to give a big shout out to them. The, the care I received there was incredible. And, um, it's just really good to be back. And, uh, like I said, the end of the season's pretty much here. And, uh, it's fun that we get to revisit some of this stuff that we've been talking about all season. And now these storylines are starting to come to a close. Well, it's good to have you back. Now you got one of those, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man, uh, mini nuclear reactors in your chest now, right? Yeah, it's a it's a synthetic nuclear reactor that <laughs> in about 20 years they said it, it would be uh, it would need replaced again. So no, um, they put a synthetic. I had to get a heart valve replaced, so they put a synthetic one in there to replace the old one that I had. So I'm gonna leave the the other details out and just kind of leave it at that. But yeah, it, it's I'm feeling okay, but uh, just a little little discomfort and stuff. I mean. I'm, two weeks removed from it, but I'm going to be down about another yeah, month or so and then hopefully get back going. So, but for now it's nice to just be sitting down and I mean, I'm in front of the computer and a microphone, so that's not, that's not exactly driving heavy machinery. I'm not, no forklifts anytime soon for me. Yeah. Well, you're about to talk some prospects. So, uh, back doing, mm-hmm. back doing what you love, having some fun here. And, uh, this will Absolutely. be the first, this will be the first of a, uh, a two part, season recap of the 2018 campaign for the Indian farm system and all its prospects. And uh, for tonight's episode, we're going to go through and just provide a little general recap of all of the Indians minor league affiliates from uh, uh, Columbus all the way down to Arizona, because there's some uh, uh, recent draft picks who have been making news down in Arizona as well. So we'll get down all the way down to that as well. So uh, what do you say, Corey, we start up in Columbus and uh, talk about what was going on there this year. And I think that the main story 
uh, out of Columbus this year was, uh, you know, first you got Shane Bieber and Adam Plutko just pitching lights out and working their way up to Cleveland. But then you got guys like Yandy Diaz and Greg Allen uh, pitching real, or playing really well and, and also earning spots in Cleveland. Uh, you had the end of the Giovanni Urshela era in, in Columbus, uh, a long time, long time coming or a long time stint with the Indians. He has moved on. Uh, you've had guys like uh, Yu Chang, Bobby Bradley, uh, newcomers like Oscar Mercado, uh, some standout performances from guys like Connor Maribel, who have really come back and played well. Uh, what was your overall general take of the uh, Columbus Clippers 2018 season? Well, not even with Pleco and Bieber pitching well, but they each threw a no-hitter. Um, I think one of the my best memories in covering baseball, I mean, albeit my career has been short so far, but Adam Plucko's no-hitter was in Syracuse, and I got to cover that while I was in school up there in New York. So I, that was a real treat to see that. But, yeah, I think Plucko and Bieber, even so before the, before the season started, because we saw Bieber kind of work his way up very quickly, um, of course in Akron a bit, and then in Columbus, and of course in Cleveland. So those two have been, in my, in my eyes, the, the two big names that have floated through Columbus. Obviously, Francisco Mejia being traded, um, you know, he left that roster. And, you know, replacing a talent like that is no easy feat. Um, Mejia hit 279 in 79 games for the Clippers. You mentioned Greg Allen and Yandy Diaz, who have both been pretty darn good up in Cleveland as of recent. Um, another big one for me, I think, is the, I don't want to call it a renaissance, but it was kind of a swapping at first base. We finally got to see Bobby Bradley after, at least I felt like he kind of got shafted at the beginning of the season and was put back on Akron's roster. And then Ellie Rodriguez was in Columbus to start the year, along with Mike Napoli, who, of course, went down with an unfortunate injury early on. But we got to see a bit of Bobby Bradley in Columbus. Uh, Bradley hit 254 in 32 games, so small sample size. So you can expect to see him there again next season and probably in a full season capacity with another year left on um, Yonder Alonso's contract in Cleveland. And then Eric Haas playing a, uh, playing 120 games. That was second highest on the team to Brandon Barnes, or third highest, excuse me, to Brandon Barnes and Yu Chang. Um, Eric Haas with Mejia leaving, we got to see kind of what Eric Haas was made of behind the plate. He caught both no-hitters um, to Plucko and Bieber. So we, we've seen his game-managing ability grow. There's a lot of good things to take away from this Columbus roster and what the Clippers did this season. They fought until virtually the end of the season, the last day of the season for a playoff spot. They couldn't get into the International League playoffs, but – you know, there was quite a bit of shuffling in and out on that roster throughout the season. So you got to be happy with what the Clippers did. And then those names that I mentioned and were floated around over there, there was a lot of good, positive stuff that happened in Columbus this season. Yeah, the pitchers, I mean, there's not much more that needs to be said about Bieber and Plutko other than, you know, seeing what both can do already in Cleveland. And, uh, again, same goes for uh, Yadi Diaz and Greg Allen. That uh, Yandy Diaz controversy, if you want to call it that, was finally resolved in a way. 
He's been up in Cleveland for the last better part of the last uh, month or two. And uh but I think there's some uh under some underrated performances as well. I think uh guys like as I said, Connor Maribel or uh or Xiaoxing Chang or uh you know, there's got some guys in the bullpen who pitched real, pretty well throughout the year, Ben Taylor uh being one. Uh and then we also saw a lot of shuffling in and out of veterans. I mean, how about the uh, Mitch Talbot uh, renaissance coming yeah. to Columbus from independent ball, playing in pro, uh, playing in uh, affiliated ball for the first time since 2013. And uh, he hadn't pitched in the major since uh, 2011 when he was with the Indians last time. So uh, he came back this year and pitched really well, 4-5 and five with a 2.52 ERA in uh, 18 games, 17 starts. Uh, probably pitches way into the conversation for a uh an off another off season deal with another club. Uh, with uh, I'm certain he's probably grateful to the Indians for that. Uh, like you said, Francisco Mejia moving on to uh Reno Pastors in uh San Diego. Uh, wish him all the best there. And then a new guy like Oscar Mercado comes in, who's a pretty intriguing player in his own right. Uh, he's a Start off slow, but came on a little bit late. And then we saw, uh, you know, some guys, key guys go down injuries. Bradley Zimmer was sent down after struggling in Cleveland, back down to Columbus, and hurt his shoulder in batting practice. He, he was out for the rest of the year. Uh, and then we saw uh, the veterans like Brandon Barnes, Adam Rosales, both of whom have gotten uh, call-ups. And then Eric Haas. 20 home runs for the second straight season while batting. Uh, he only batted 236 and with a 288 on base and 443 slugging. So the slash lines are great, but the power is still there. 71 RBIs. I, I think that's a career high for him. Uh, as you said, all up and down this roster, there's a lot of great storylines to discuss. And then uh, we had to bid farewell, as I said, to uh, not only uh, – not only Giovanni Urshela, but also Sean Marmondo, who was released uh, way through the season after he struggled for most of the year, uh, two and six with a 5.89 ERA. So some uh, long-standing prospects saw their uh, tenures come to an end with the Clippers this season, but uh, a lot of great stuff happened as well. And Ben Taylor too is another name that I came across, and I, I almost slipped my mind. Seven two with a 2.51 ERA. Um, Straight out to walk ratio of 70 to 9. He's, he was really impressive this year for the Clippers. He's seen um, six games of action in Cleveland. He's thrown six innings and given up six hits and four runs. So not not terrible by any means in Cleveland, but he had a pretty good season in Columbus as well um, after coming over not too long ago from, uh, from Boston's organization. So, yeah, like we said, a lot of good storylines coming from Columbus. And really – when you compare beginning of the season to right now, we knew that Polko and Bieber were almost there. We got to see quite a bit of what they were able to do this season. Those were the two big ones. Obviously, Mejia gets washed out because of the trade. Um, how about Brandon Barnes put together a solid season? 273 average in a team-high 132 games, 14 home runs, 80 R 81 RBIs, good power from him. 19 stolen bases, and then I believe he just hit a home run was it yesterday, a couple days yeah, ago. For the yeah, in Toronto, he went deep. So, um, yeah, he's another guy who, with 40-man rosters and the expansion, you know, 32 years old, so he might kind of be on a prove-it 
kind of player or, or a prove-it deal. So, yeah, he looked pretty solid this season, too. There was a lot of good stuff from Columbus, albeit they missed the playoffs. But, um, yeah, good season for them. Yeah, so let's move down to Akron, and uh, there's a lot more uh, interesting storylines uh, coming for the Rubber Ducks, who are still playing ball. Uh, their uh, postseason run will continue as they face off against the New Hampshire Fisher Cats in the Eastern League Championship Series starting on Tuesday. Uh, the first two games will be in Akron, first pitch at 635. Uh, weather's supposed to be nice, I think, the next couple of days, so if you want to get your tickets, uh, go check out some Rubber Ducks uh, playoff action. But, Weather's uh, finally going to be nice, you mean? Yeah, oh yeah, after all this rain we've had the last couple of days, for sure. But uh, but I look at this uh, team, and, you know, we all, going into the season, we all thought the big story was going to be Not that he wasn't, he came in and really pitched well uh, down the stretch, uh, albeit uh, he only pitched in like two-thirds of the season, give or take. But at the same time, you saw the rise of guys like Jake Paulson and uh, Shaoxing Chang. And, uh, you know, we had guys in the bullpen like Kieran Lovegrove, Mitch Brown, Henry Martinez, really pitched well uh, in the late innings, David Spear as well. Then in the lineup, you know, Bobby Bradley had another great power season, uh, hitting a lot of home runs, although the strikeout rate elevated a bit, which is something to keep an eye on. And, you know, Connor Maribel really rebounded from his uh, his, uh, previous campaign. Uh, 296 average, 341 on base, 481 slugging in, in 89 games with Akron, 11 homers, 64 RBIs. So really starting to come back around again, closer to his uh, 2016 numbers with Lake County. And, uh, you know, we saw guys like Andrew Kalika really play well, 278 average, 764 OPS in 115 games. Really played well in the outfield, too. Made some solid defensive plays all all around, he made some highlight reels. We said bid farewell to Willie Castro, who went in the uh, who went in the uh, Leonis Martin deal. Um, we got, but in return, we got Kyle Dowdy, who's been lighting up the radar gun and really turning some heads. Pitched pretty well in the division series too against Altoona. And Sam Haggerty, although he had some injuries, stole a lot of bases again. Twenty four, didn't quite reach his goal, but uh, Lee Jen Chu came up and played pretty well. Uh, Ty Tom showed some pretty impressive power. Uh, 12 homers and 64 RBIs in 121 games. Uh, so he he played pretty well. Uh, kind of came out of nowhere. And other than that, you know, there's there was uh, guys like I said the uh, on the pitching side. Uh, Tristan McKenzie came in a little bit later on and pitched uh, pretty well. Shane Bieber started the year in Akron and went 3-0 with a 116 ERA and five starts, so he was really dialed in and didn't take long for him to go up to Columbus and then eventually up to Cleveland. So uh, James Karinchak came up late in the year, 261 ERA and 10 appearances, uh, continuing to rack up the strikeouts with 16 and 10 in the third innings. Uh, yeah, up and down, again, kind of like Columbus. A lot of interesting storylines, and uh, lest we forget uh, Cody Anderson making a Free rehab appearance too. He works his way back from Tommy John surgery. Uh, anything that stands out particularly to you, Corey? Two things for me. Number one, the amount of roster turnover there was, and I mean there usually is at the AA level, but there was a lot of it this season with guys going either to Columbus or coming up from Lynchburg, or maybe even in some cases both, like Lee Gen Chu, who 
served time in Lynchburg, Akron, and Columbus this season. Um, what I noticed about the the pitching staff, not just with uh, guys like Tristan McKenzie in that rotation, who, you know, let's face it, McKenzie is a top prospect in the system, but how about the bullpen in Akron as well? Mitch Brown, the, the, his revival, he only won one game, but he threw a 199 ERA in 37 appearances. Um, about Henry Martinez's emergence as a closer, he had uh, 11 saves this season. About Kieran Lovegrove and his ability to pitch out of the back end. David Spear had uh, had a 348 ERA in 46 appearances. There were quite a few guys. James Karinchak, who uh, had a 261 ERA in 10 appearances. And I know he's, he started each game in Akron, but you might even be able to throw Zach Plezak's name uh, into that hat. Luke Eubank, uh, .56 ERA in 13 appearances. You get the idea here that Akron's bullpen was really the strength of this team. Uh, even Nick's. Even even Nick Sandlin coming up later in the season. I mean, there were so many guys. Kyle Dowdy, who was a reliever in the Tigers organization, and there's something going on with him. I, I, it was either you or Justin or someone wrote about it, about what the difference was between Dowdy and the Tigers organization and in the Indians organization and how he's essentially picked up, what is it, four or five miles an hour on his fastball? Something I mean, like that. Yeah, so someone's doing something with him that's wearing an Indian's jersey and hat, and it's working out for him so far. And he's actually starting uh, game one of the Eastern League Championship Series Tuesday. So the point is, there's a lot of great pitching that came through Akron this season. Um, and I think mostly in the bullpen is where they had a lot of success. And even looking through the lineup, um, the one guy that stood out to me, and he, of course, earned a promotion to Columbus later in the season was Connor Maribel a 296 average in 89 games. This guy was an afterthought to a lot of scouts when he was drafted. Uh, but Maribel was drafted really late, 25th round in 2015, and all he's done ever since is hit and run. And uh, he continued that this season, certainly. Andrew Kalika had a pretty solid season across the board, 278 average in 115 games. We know he can run well. We know he can hit. We know he can field. Uh, John Carter in a small sample size played well in 19 games. He had 290. There were, there were quite a few guys in that roster. Of course, like you said, Willie Castro leaving that left kind of a dent, but not a hole because they still had guys like Ernie Clement who came up from Lynchburg. Uh, they had guys like Mark Mathias in that infield. They had Sam Haggerty in that infield. So they didn't lose any major options. They would, they didn't have any big void to fill once Willie Castro left. That's kind of why they're in this championship series right now is because of that positional depth, particularly in that middle infield that they've had. Ernie Clement has been uh, one of the best prospects in the organization ever since he's been drafted. And even this season, you know, we have player the player of the year coming up next week, and he's got to be in that conversation for it, albeit only hitting 246 in Akron. We saw this guy grow very quickly, and uh, he showed that impact in Akron already. So there's a lot, uh, again, Good positive stuff, but that bullpen in Akron was just phenomenal for me this season. Quick Andrew Kalika fun fact. Do you know that he finished the 2018 regular season with the same exact OPS as he had in 2017? That's – I didn't know that, but that's pretty darn impressive considering uh, – 764 a, OPS in 115 games this year versus a 764 OPS in 
103 games last year. Well, I, what does that tell you? So he's put the he put the same number up in 12 more games, essentially. So that shows pretty good consistency, if you ask me. I, I like hearing that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, his uh, batting average is only four points higher than last year at 278 versus 274. His on base has, has gone up a bit. He's at we were at 389 this year. He was really good at uh, drawing walks, and uh, he's also pretty good at uh, getting hit by pitches, channeling uh, his inner Brandon Geyer there. He, power... he covers the plate. He does cover the plate when he's up. I noticed yeah. that. His power took a little bit of a hit this year, but he's not a big power guy to begin with, but he did have the same amount of homers. Pretty much all across the board, his numbers were all within, like, 10 points or 10 units of each other. Uh, six homers, even 49 RBIs versus 40 last year. Uh, the only the only thing that really uh, spiked this year was his uh, stolen base numbers. Uh, he had 27 steals and uh, and 32 attempts versus 14 in, in uh, thir- uh, 23 attempts last year. So he's starting to run a little bit more. But other than that, he's pretty much what we've been saying about him all along is he's just solid all across the board, checks all those boxes, and he just continued to do that this year. That's really good. I, I, I'm good with hearing that because we saw a little bit of regression last year, if you remember correctly, when he got into Lynchburg. Um, he, he had a record season at Mahoning Valley when he was drafted, and I believe they fast-tracked him. Um, yeah, yeah, right thanks to Lynchburg. Yeah, they fast-tracked him, and he had kind of a down season. But you got to take that into account that it was his first full season. He had to adjust a little bit. And then now you see what you're going to get from him. 115 games out of – what do they play, 140? Is it exactly yeah. 140? Yeah. yeah. I mean, getting that kind of playing time in Double A really says a lot, especially in center field. Yep, and he, like I said, got into, got into a couple highlight reels with some of his catches. I saw, I think I saw one or two of them live in person. And I, that guy can cover some ground in center field. He's pretty good out there. Another kind of standout performance I wanted to mention, aside from the ones we had already mentioned, was Tyler Krieger, who most of his numbers were uh, dependent on the uh, hit streaks he had. He had a pretty impressive 24-game hit streak in the middle of the year, but even so, he finished the year solidly with a 276 average, uh, 704 OPS, definitely uh, up from last year's numbers. Uh, and he proved he was kind of a streaky hitter, but he proved when he was uh, on, he was very hard to stop he, when he was putting the bat to the ball well. And uh, this year, five homers, 22 doubles, uh, four triples, and 55 RBIs in 123 games. Uh, 38 walks versus 88 strikeouts, 19 stolen bases, and uh, 29 attempts. So, and he also played fairly solid in the outfield too. He played more outfield than he did in the infield, and I think he's he's better suited out there than he is uh, like a second base. But he hasn't played short uh, probably since he was drafted. But uh, I think he's long term he's better suited for the outfield. But he has. He, I think he has the tools to be a solid utility player as well, kind of an Eric Gonzalez type. That was a really intriguing swap with Tyler Krieger. I mean, we thought when he was drafted that this kid would be a surefire second baseman, shortstop, hybrid kind of player. And I think Ernie Clement has kind of fulfilled that role as he's developed really quickly. And you move Tyler Krieger out to the outfield, and it's really more of the same for him at the plate. He really didn't change much, if not getting better. So you certainly have to be happy with seeing that too. 
And I want to give one quick honorable mention to, uh, well, two quick ones, actually. One to Joe Sever for uh, his role on this on this team this year. I mean, he really got off to the uh, great start this season, kind of faded off late. But uh, seven homers, 57 RBIs, 107 games, low batting, 262 with a 695 OPS. You know, not great numbers, but I'll, I'll tell you, as somebody who's talked to the coaches there, the, some of the players there in Akron, uh, they all speak the world of Joe Sever and his leadership abilities in this clubhouse. Of course, him being a, uh, a long-tenured double-A uh, player for Akron, uh, the that kind of comes to the territory, but uh, he's definitely embraced that role and helped lead some of these young guys. And I talked to him about it too, and he's, it's something that he's definitely willing to embrace. And he got the late season promotion to Columbus, which he richly deserved. And uh, the other uh, uh, honorable mention I wanted to throw out there was to uh, Jake Paulson for winning the uh, Eastern League ERA title with a 3.04 ERA in uh, 19 starts after us uh, coming over the organization and. Uh, Started here in Lynchburg and then came up to Akron and really uh, took off running in that rotation. And uh, I would say down the stretch was probably one of the Akron's more reliable starters, maybe second to Tristan McKenzie. Each of the past four seasons, Joe Sever has logged at least one game in Akron. That's you see that sometimes too with with some of these players who not really flatline per se, but who just kind of. He, they don't get to that next level right away. And then the organization likes them so much that they don't want to get rid of them. But at the same time, there's kind of this virtual wall that they've hit. And Sever, it, you you can do one of two things when you get that treatment. Number one, you could shy away from it. Or number two, you can embrace it. And as you said, in, from everything I've read about Akron and, like, the, the camaraderie in the clubhouse and the organization itself – He's, he's a leader there, and the organization really likes having that around. So maybe he's like a maybe he's the type of guy who comes back and is a coach one day. You you could think that. Yeah, he's definitely falling into that Justin Tool mold a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I think he's a guy who could really embrace it if he wanted to. So we'll see. Uh, but uh, yeah, great stuff from Akron this year. Uh, Lynchburg Hillcats are kind of interesting. Not only because of the players they had, but uh, because of the because of the fact that uh, Ru- uh, Ruglis Odor was the uh, first year manager, longtime hitting coach in the organization, got his first managerial shot uh, with the Hillcats this year, and I got to talk to him a couple times over the phone about it uh, this season, and he was very excited about it, uh, ready, ready to embrace the opportunity. He took his uh, Hillcats, although they had their ups and downs. They really played well in the second half and uh, took the division title and were able to, the second half division title rather, were able to play in the postseason. Unfortunately, they were eliminated, I believe, by uh, uh, Wilmington, I think it was. Potomac. Oh, Potomac. Potomac. They lost in the uh, semifinals. Yes. Actually, the, Sunday they did, game five. Yeah, Potomac. They, they went all the way to game five with Potomac and unfortunately were not able, not able to advance. But uh, still a, a hard-fought season for uh, – Odor and his Hillcats, and uh, uh, I think that some of the top storylines you got to talk about. Well, first of all, I think the first half of the season had a lot was a lot to do about uh, Eli Morgan and his rise. I mean, he started in Lake County, going up to Lynchburg, and really pitched well. He had some struggles in the second half, but I think he finished the season strong and uh, went seven and seven overall with a 3.91 ERA. But for a while there, he was untouchable, and then. 
you know, was the Carolina League adjusted to him or he hit some mechanical snags or whatever it was, he had to uh, uh, go through a little bit of a, uh, some adversity and had to adjust to that. Uh, also, just yeah, Justin Garza coming back. He had some injury issues this year, but overall pitched really well. He was an early contender for the uh, Carolina League ERA title. He was really pitching well out of the out of the gate. Uh, in the bullpen, you had Dalbert Siri and Ben Krauth really anchoring things. Uh, Zach Glezak pitched pretty well too. Uh, Kirk McCarty came up later in the year and pitched well. James Karinchak, even one ERA and 25 appearances out, out of the bullpen with uh, 13 saves. Uh, only Dalbert Siri with 15 had more. And uh, it's just all up and down that pitching staff was really intriguing. And uh, then I say the outfield of the Hillcats was really the most intriguing part of that team. Uh, really because at the start of the year, you had Mitch Longo, you had... Connor Capel, and you had uh, Trenton Brooks, who not a lot of people might not know, but uh, he's played pretty well so far in his career and played pretty well this season. Uh, Mitch Longo kind of took a hit with his numbers this year, but still by a 275, a 747 OPS. Before uh, Connor Capel was traded, he batted 261 with a 743 OPS in 89 games. Capel, of course, traded in the Oscar Mercado deal. And uh, then on the infield, you had guys like uh, Nolan Jones coming up late and just continuing. Oh, my goodness. We could spend a whole show on Nolan Jones. But him and Ernie Clement on the left side of the infield, mm, that was that was something fun to watch. And uh, Austin Wade came up a little bit. Struggled, but uh, still a, a prospect to keep an eye on. So, uh, Hellcats, uh, Corey, what are your thoughts? Yeah, the two things that stuck out to me, and it was kind of – there was a little overlap with these two. You just mentioned them, Ernie Clement and Nolan Jones. Um, we haven't seen infield prospects. I mean, we've seen good infield prospects come through the system as of late, obviously. But we haven't seen anything as fast-tracking and as consistently good as these two in a while. Ernie Clement hit 346 in 33 games with Lynchburg before getting a promotion up to Akron. Nolan Jones was promoted to Lynchburg midseason, and he had 298 in 30 games. Those two guys on that left side of that infield as a future possibility is really exciting to think about. And think about Nolan Jones for a second and what his trajectory is as of right now. Even starting with the injury um, early this season in Lake County, getting that promotion to Lynchburg, he worked for that. Not, that's not a deaf move. He worked for that promotion after an injury. And now he's in the conversation of not only just being in Akron next season, who knows if he's going to be there a full season because he's still so young. Um, he, he's a candidate for that. He's only 20 years old as of right now, which is crazy to think. Um, but how quickly could this guy be a 40-man roster candidate? You got to really think about that, and you got to think about the future of third base. I mean, the Indians are making moves for it right now with Josh Donaldson. Think about the future of that position and the, the possibility. And I tweeted this. I think I tweeted this when Nolan Jones was promoted. In a matter of two years, the possible Indians infield could be Nolan Jones, Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez, and Bobby Bradley. Now that's something exciting to think about. But that's kind of jumping the gun a bit. 
sticking to the point here in Lynchburg's roster. Nolan Jones and early Ernie Clement were two bright spots that overlapped just briefly, but they still had two phenomenal seasons on that Hillcats roster. Um, how about Trenton Brooks, kind of a guy that really flew under the radar. Not many people knew about him for quite some time. Uh, drafted in the, in the 17th round in 2016, went from the Arizona League in 16 right up to Lake County in 17, and even earned a slight uh, promotion to Lynchburg in 17. Now in his first full season, he hit 281 in 107 games, um, a strikeout to walk rate of 66 to 45. That's not really bad at all. Um, with 362 on base, this is a guy who's kind of starting to starting to make his name pop into the head of some people who follow the prospect scene closely. You mentioned Austin Way getting called up. Um, Gavin Collins coming back from injury, I think, is something that uh, sparked sparked some interest a bit. Mitch Longo had another solid season. It, I remember last year, all he did was hit, and he really broke out. And we wondered if he was going to post that 300 batting average again, or if he would start to fall off a bit. Well, somewhere in between there, he hit 275, which is nothing to scoff at by any means. Showed some of that power, hit eight home runs, which was second on the team. Uh, so he had another solid season. And then you go to the pitching, and you mentioned guys like Eli Morgan. Uh, how about Tanner Tully eating up innings after being thought of as a reliever early in his career? Now he's over here eating 147 innings up. Zach Plezak getting a promotion to Akron. A lot of good storylines in that pitching staff. I think the the big name in that one is Ben Krauth. Four and two with a 199 ERA and 38 appearances. I mean, he was just, he lit it up this season. And then you saw Henry Martinez and Karen Lovegrove get promotions to Akron. Um, Kurt McCarty got some time, like you said. So yeah, a lot of, um, the pitching was interesting, but I think the two, the two big things there. Rightfully so, Clement and Jones. I'm curious to see what the Indians organization is going to do with those two guys because their trajectory is just shot up, and their stock shot up this season. Oh, Jones, as you said, you can make an argument for him being the top prospect. I think Tristan McKenzie is still a little harder to unseat, but, you know, with Francisco Mejia moving on uh, in this Mm -hmm. deal with uh, the Padres – Nolan Jones is by far the top hitting prospect in this organization, at the very least. Uh, and I think a solid case could be made for him as the top prospect. And he really showed that this year. I think the, mat- the maturing process he had this year and, you know, having overcome early adversity with the injury, he had some adjustments he had to make. But what was so impressive about Jones is his numbers got progressively better. If you look at like, his slash line from month to month, it just progressively got better, better, and better over each month of the season. And uh, we'll talk more about Jones when we get to the Lake County segment because that's where he spent the bulk of the season. But the fact that he went to the Carolina League and over 30 games still batted 298 with a 910 OPS. He had three homers and 17 RBIs and nine doubles. I mean, with 26 walks for 34 strikeouts, he showed that impeccable knowledge for the strike zone, even in the Carolina League, his first taste of high A ball. And... He just showed how advanced he is as a hitter, and he is going to be so exciting to watch the next year or two as he works his way up to Cleveland. But one note I wanted to mention about, uh, I think this is interesting, something I came across when I was doing one of my Hillcast notebooks recently, was about Mitch Longo. And I think it's important to note that before this season, Mitch Longo had only logged as many as 60 games in a season. He had some injury issues, held him back a few times. 
So, in essence, this is really his first full season in professional baseball. And uh, he went from logging 60 games in a season last year between Lake County and Lynchburg to logging 119 games this year. And I think that the there's uh, the simple explanation for him taking his numbers taking a hit was the fact that he just wore out. If you look at his first half and second half splits, in the first half he batted 288 with a 737 OPS. Uh, in the second half he batted 263 with a 758 OPS. So that those numbers took a hit. Uh, how about this? He went from in July batting 337 with an 886 OPS in 25 games. In August, he batted 209 with a 620 OPS in 22 games. So, clearly there was, and, it, and he didn't have a hit at all in the four games he played in September. So, I think there's just a, it's just a matter of Mongo having to adjust to playing full season ball. And he, he his body and his uh, durability, his stamina, Everything that was all tested this season, and I think that's going to serve him well in the years moving forward. I, I'm curious to see how he responds next season. I wonder what kind of conditioning he'll go through in the off season, um, because, like you said, this guy really wasn't thought of as a blue chip prospect by any means. Um, he wasn't thought of as this guy that's going to come in and just start beating everybody up. In in 2016 and 2017 combined. He played 98 games. And then 2018, he played 119 games in one season. So, yeah, imagine what that does to a body. Imagine what that does uh, to somebody's mind. Imagine the conditioning you have to go through, the difference in playing, you know, almost 20 games more. It's, it's a matter of him finding that happy balance between physically fit and mentally fit because – you got to start thinking of, you know, that gets to your head a bit. And uh, not to say he had a horrible season by any means. You know, 275 wasn't bad, but last season we saw him hit 376 in 60 games in a half a season. So, you know, you double the workload. you you got to take into account some of those things. So let's see if he can come back next season. He's obviously going to have another full season to play with, and he might even get that lift up to Akron. In fact, he should. So, adjusting to that level, and he'll get to see some real pitching then. You know, this might be a good thing. This might have been a good growing season for Longo when you really think about it that way. I think so, too. Not only for the uh, going playing his first full season uh, in that perspective, but also the fact that he's playing in the Carolina League where he had to face the same pitchers over and over again. So, he had a real, real combination of adversity going there. He did. He did, and uh, I think he could be he could be a good bounce back candidate for next season. I think so too, and uh, I think other than that starting rotation, I, Kirk McCarty is a guy who was was exciting to me. Five starts, three nineteen ERA down the stretch. Uh, you know, Pleasak, Henkis, and oh Sam Henkis, Let's, we got to mention him too. Uh, six and yeah. six, three twenty seven ERA, twenty three starts, had no issues at least none that were uh, made public about his uh, return from Tommy John surgery seemed to be, he bounced back very well, 118 in the third innings, 122 strikeouts. Yeah. He gave up some uh, hits uh, and a few walks, but uh, overall very good bounce back season for him. Shot right back up the prospect boards. He's a, 
considered by many to be still be a top arm in the system. So him moving forward is going to be fun to watch, as is Garza, Eli Morgan, uh, Zach Plezak, like I said. And then that bullpen. I think the big three of Karinchak, Krauth, and uh, Dalbert Siri. That's a three-headed monster worth watching moving forward. Especially, uh, you know, Karinchak got promoted to Akron, but Krauth and, and Siri are going to be up in that bullpen, too. I think that three-headed monster making its way to Akron. You thought this year's bullpen was good with uh, Mitch Brown, uh, Karen Lovegrove, and Henry Martinez, and uh, David Spear. I think next year could be even better with those three. And uh, Dalbert Siri, man, just once again, almost kind of the same way. Uh, he was kind of the pitching version of uh, Andrew Kalika in that he pretty much matched his uh, numbers from last year with uh, – you know, a 1-5 record, 2.45 ERA, a little bit lower ERA, but the save marks were about even 15 saves for 14 last year. 71 strikeouts and 47 two-thirds innings for 64 and 40 and two-thirds last year. The walks were only elevated, were, were, were right about the same, uh, maybe even a little bit lower. His batting average against was lower. His whip was lower, 126. Uh, so he's a guy, I think... I would say probably the most uh, high upside relief pitcher in this system right now. He's in a, a strong crop right now. The Indians are forming a nice crop of relief pitchers right now, and I think uh, Dalbert Siri is at the head of that uh, head of that crop. One more thing I wanted to mention about Lynchburg: it was only one appearance, but we got to see Matt Esparza back on the mound. So we didn't hear much about him uh, beginning of the season spring training, there was really question marks as to his whereabouts. And uh, it, it was good to just see him back on the mound. He had three appearances in the Arizona League, and then he threw uh, two He threw two innings, gave up two hits, and an earned run on July 16th uh, versus Carolina. So good to see him back on the mound. Whatever he's going through, we hope he gets through it, and maybe we can see him back on the mound next season. Yeah, he had that lat injury down the stretch. Hopefully that yeah. he'll recover from that. But uh, let's move on down to Lake County and talk about the, the captains and what happened with them this year. They, unfortunately, were not able to make the playoffs. But, uh, you know, we saw some perform- some good performances from Oscar Gonzalez. How about 292 average, 13 homers, 52 RBIs in 114 games? Um, of course, Nolan Jones, who we'll talk about more, 279 average in 90 games. 16 homers, 49 RBIs. Um, Clement also played well down there. Um, had some injury issues like with guys like Austin Wade, Tyler Freeze, but uh, they played well when they were on when they were uh, healthy and active. Uh, you know, also injuries to guys like uh, Ulysses Cantu. He pretty much had a a lost season. Uh, uh, 73 average in uh, 69 games, eight homers and 20 RBIs. Uh, some pitching performances though: Juan Hillman, another kind of a uh, clunker season, six and 12, 518 ERA. You gotta wonder what his future holds in store. Cook uh, McCarty, even though his numbers don't look great on the surface, he was really good down the stretch. And then how about the emergence of Giancarlo Mejia? 15 game start. Started 17 overall, 4 and 8, 313 ERA. He really uh, uh, emerged out of nowhere as a starter. 
I didn't expect to see how well he pitched. Then Kyle Nelson, probably there a little too long in that bullpen, but yeah, three and one, 0.76 ERA and 25 appearances. Yeah, with 51 strikeouts and 35 in the third innings. Yeah, that should probably get you promoted. And then, uh, huh. yeah. and then uh, we had Nick Sandlin, Robert Broom, Adam Scott, some of the recent draft picks. They were uh, also in the bullpen as well at one point. Luis Oviedo came up late in the year. Breakout star in Mahoning Valley. Two starts, uh, even three ERA. So uh, some good stuff there. Solid, Some solid performances from Francisco Perez and Gregory Vasquez, who finished with identical ERA marks of 407 each. So uh, um, there, this is one. This is kind of a mixed bag. Uh, Will Benson had a great power season, 22 homers. I think he uh, captured the uh, home run title in the uh, Midwest League, but, you know, he didn't have a great season as far as uh, hitting for average, consistency, he had problems with strikeouts. Uh, so, I don't know, a lot of, a, kind of a mixed bag in, in Lake County, I would say this year, but there was some good stuff to go on as well. I think the big thing for me, and this one kind of flies under the radar, is not one, not two, but three draft picks from the 2018 class pitching in Lake County this season. You really think about that. You see the bulk of the guys, and these aren't just, um, you know, run-of-the-mill arms. These aren't your, like, 20th-round guys that are just filling roster spots. These are talented guys. Usually you see guys like that go either right to the Arizona League or right to the Honing Valley to sit for the whole season. I'm talking about Robert Broom, Nick Sandlin, and Adam Scott. Scott earned a promotion from Honing Valley to Lake County midseason. Posted a 245 ERA and five appearances. Nick Sandlin obviously has already moved quickly. All he did was throw a 174 ERA and 10 appearances. He allowed two earned runs in 10 and a third innings. And then Robert Broom, two and one with a 117 ERA and 17 appearances, allowed three earned runs in 23 innings. Those three guys are intriguing. And we knew Nick Sandlin, as soon as the Indians drafted him, everybody and their grandmother seemed to believe that he would be a fast mover and was a candidate to pitch in Cleveland right now, actually, this season. And not saying he's not going to make a, any sort of move this season. I don't, I'm not sure that's going to happen, but he moved very quickly already. So maybe spring training, he gets a chance with a big league club. And think of how fast that is to have a reliever go that fast. Then you have Robert Broom and you have Adam Scott, two guys the Indians are really high on. Scott, of course, um, a college arm out of Wofford. Robert Broom came in was drafted in the 10th round out of Mercer. Both guys, college guys. Robert Broom went already he, – he already got a promotion to Lynchburg. He had a, a time on that roster. So, I mean, you have those three guys, college arms, very fast tracking. John Carlos Mejia was another guy. By the way, I picked him for player of the week a couple weeks ago. Did I win that? Uh, we will find out when we revisit <laughs> our player of the week next week. Excellent. We'll see. Um, John Carlos Mejia, you mentioned, was – he made transition to starter, and he looked pretty solid this season. Only won four games, but a 313 ERA and 17 starts or 17 appearances. On the hitting side, I think the two big things that stuck out to me were the production of Oscar Gonzalez and then the late season production of Richie Palacios. Um, we, we could talk all day long about Nolan Jones and what he did and Will Benson's power. Those things were pretty given, and we knew Jones would produce, but. We were concerned about Oscar Gonzalez being kind of an all-or-nothing player. He, he really looked like that last season in Mahoning Valley. 
he comes out this season and he plays a team. He plays 114 games. He bats a team high 392 or 292, excuse me. That's a team high 292, 13 homers, 52 RBIs. The only gaffe I have about Oscar Gonzalez is his strikeouts. He struck out 107 times compared to 12 walks. I want that number to fix itself. But you have to be happy with his production. And then Richie Palacios, another college guy, drafted out of Towson in the third round, hit 320 games. So to have guys like that produce at this level, to have a guy like Gonzalez, as young as he is, um, a, a, an international signing, and then Palacios right out of college hitting 300 and full season A ball. I really like seeing that. Of course, getting Nolan Jones to the next level was impressive. Getting Ernie Clement to Akron was impressive. But I think as far as the hitting, the hitting's concerned, those two guys stuck out to me. But the pitching is what I really love seeing from those three college arms. Yeah, that was interesting to see. And Sandlin, of course, uh, moving all the way up to Akron and Robert Broom up to Lynchburg, two very intriguing submarine-style guys, both from each side of the uh, mound. And then, uh, yeah, from the hitting side, uh, Oscar Gonzalez was very interesting to me in that, uh, you know, he hit for a high average, which was very impressive. But he and he wasn't, like, the most consistent as far as, like, getting on base. He batted 292, but his on-base percentage was only 310. So, and that, that speaks to the only, him only having 12 walks in 114 games versus 107 strikeouts. The strikeout rate isn't, isn't outrageously high, but, uh, obviously you would like to see those, that ratio even out with his, uh, walk rate. But, uh, tell you what though, when that guy puts the bat on the ball, he's definitely a, an impressive hitter. 13 homers this year, 52 RBIs, uh, 25 doubles. Definitely one of the more, uh, potent impact hitters for uh, the captains this year. And uh, Tyler Freeze, when he wasn't hurt, was pretty impressive. I love seeing him play because he's a diminutive infielder, uh, but he's a guy who showed a little bit of power. And, again, like when I, like I said, when he wasn't hurt, he, he was playing pretty well, especially early on in the year. Um, I think one guy who was interesting to me was Jonathan Loriano because – he transitioned to playing catcher for the first time in his career. I think he was an infielder uh, before that. But he had a stretches where he played pretty well, batted two forty five overall with a six eighty five OPS. Uh, nine homers and 38 RBIs. Uh, interesting uh, guy there. But, you know, as I said, Will Benson. What do you make of Will Benson's season? I mean, I know that the 22 homers, 58 RBIs, 123 games, that's impressive. But only 11 doubles, one triple. Uh, he did steal 12 bases, so he was uh, making his presence known when he got on base. But unfortunately, that was a little bit few and far between. He batted only 180, 324 on base, 370 slugging, so a 694 OPS. He definitely needs to work on putting the bat on the ball more consistently. But man, when he makes contact and he's got the sweet spot of that bat on the ball, he can hit it a long way. I think there's a few reports of him hitting the ball over the uh, the uh, clubhouse and uh, beyond the uh, right field wall out there. So uh, that's uh, that's pretty impressive for those familiar with the dimensions of uh, Classic Park up in the East Lake. So uh, what are your thoughts on Will Benson in his season? What do we take away from that? Well, how about 12 stolen bases as well? For Have you seen Will Benson? He's a big guy. Yes, he is. <laughs> 12, 12 stolen bases for a guy that big. 
um, I think speaks a lot. So when he does get on base, when it's not a home run or strikeout, when he does get on base, which, quite honestly, it could be a walk. Uh, Will Benson had 75 hits this season. I'm making sure I got this right. Yes, 75 hits, and he drew 82 walks. So that's that's a number you don't see too often, a guy walking more than he gets hits. So he has this eye at the plate where it's not advanced. Like a Nolan Jones eye at the plate is really advanced. Will Benson can see the ball. I don't know if he's found that ability to shorten his swing up quite yet. I almost call it a Carlos Santana syndrome because you notice when Carlos Santana used to come to play for the Indians, he would be all or nothing on those three, two pitches when he had a green light or on a one, two or something. He always had this all or nothing approach. It seemed like, and that's almost like what Will Benson has, but you got to admire the fact that he does draw a lot of walks, but with that comes 152 strikeouts. That's a ton of strikeouts. So if he can cut that strikeout number down and maintain that eye at the plate, that batting average should creep up organically. I mean, when you when you're when you look at him this at this time next season, his batting average is not going to be at 180. It's got to be improved better than that. If he hit 230 with numbers like this, then we'd be like, okay, fine, that sounds correct. But the fact that it was either walk, excuse me, walk, strikeout, or home run is a little concerning considering they put a first round draft pick on this guy considering they've they've brought him up with the best I don't want to say the word care but they've paid close attention to him in their in their development of him and if he can't cut that get that 180 average up to something a little more respectable then you know we got to start talking about changing it up a bit so I think we got to give Will Benson another year this is his first full season year mind you 123 games played. So let's see what he could do for another full season. But that's what stuck out to me is that he had more walks than base hits. Well, you know what sticks out to me uh, about Will Benson's season? You look at his numbers, and you mentioned Carlos Santana, who uh, in a lot of ways you're right about that, the way he uh, has the eye at the plate, but sometimes he doesn't always put the best swing on the ball. I look at Will Benson's numbers, and and one name just screams out to me, especially this season looking at it, and that is Adam Dunn. That, this, is, hmm. uh, this is totally an Adam Dunn type season. It's an Adam uh, Dunn stat line. Yep. Uh, I mean, buck 80 average, but his he's drawn a lot of walks. He's striking out a ton, but he also has a lot of power. This is Adam Dunn in a nutshell, uh, which, you know, if you can do that, they can hit for power. You can pro- get on base. Well, even though he strike out a lot, you could probably make a career out of it as Adam Dunn did. Uh, but, you know, the game's also evolved since Adam Dunn played, so who knows if it's still, still going to be a thing by the time Benson gets to the majors. This suggests that uh, Benson still has some uh, mechanical stu- stuff to work on with his swing and trying to uh, make sure maybe he's not laying off of the those uh, off-speed pitches that he should as much, even though he's he's able to recognize them clearly. He, but also that maybe he's not getting the bat to the ball as cleanly as he as he can, uh, and that's all something that's all stuff for the coaches to work with him on. I think that uh, people are probably disappointed overall, especially some of the more uh, uh, statistical uh, people are disappointed with what Will Benson did this year. But 
I think that if you wanted to take positive out of this, you know, the first full season, he utilized his tools very well, which was power and speed. Uh, it's just a matter of him really cleaning up those uh, swing mechanics and really trying to uh, smooth out those rough, uh, that, that, that rough playing style and that we all knew that he had coming into his playing career. I mean, he was, he was pretty raw. He was a pretty raw talent uh, coming out of the draft. So this is, this is the news. So uh, the good news is he's young. He's only in, he's only an A ball. So uh, there's still plenty of time for him to turn this around. And he's just going to take the positives away from this, which is, you know, him hitting for power, him using speed, him getting, seeing the ball well and getting on base. I mean, for, a 180 having a 180 average that 324 on base is actually pretty impressive. So, like you said, if he was batting 230, his on base percentage would probably be like upwards of 360 or something like that. So that would that would look a whole, a whole lot better in that respect. So, I think that if there's anything to take away from Will Benson's season, I think the three words the best describe it are work in progress. So don't give up on him yet. He's still got. Young has still got a lot of upside. It's just I I would say give him one more season and see what kind of production and uh, improvement and development he shows next year, possibly either in back in Lake County or may, most likely with the Hillcats. I think it's a big deal that players make a transition from playing half a season to a full season, and then you look at the growth from that first full season to that second full season. I think that's a really underlying theme that's going on with quite a few of these players. And we're already talking about it with guys like Mitch Longo and Will Benson. Um, not to say that these guys had bad years by any means, but the adjustments that you have to make, think about what that does to a body playing double the amount of baseball games. That's double the amount of prep, double the amount of flights, double the amount of bus rides, double the amount of at bats nearly. That's a lot of toll on a 20 year old's body. Um, so I'm curious to see. Benson's probably going to be in Lynchburg next season. He should be, in my mind. I don't see any reason to keep him in Lake County unless they truly do believe that he needs to start hitting for a more respectable batting average, and this is a punishment for him to do that. I don't see how that's a viable thing to do, but you never know. But now he's going to get this chance in the Carolina League, assuming, where he's going to see familiar pitching quite often. And he's going to get a lot of opportunities in another full season. And he's going to get a full off season to contribute towards conditioning and grinding out, and maybe even working on those swing mechanics. So jury's going to be out of Will Benson until next this time next season. So I'm curious to see how he responds going into the off season. Yep. And uh, as we said, coming out of the draft, and many people said, if there's anybody who can get the get the work done and, and put the work in. It's Will Benson because his, uh, his character, his work ethic is as strong as anybody you could, you would ever want, uh, in your organization. So, uh, and I've, having talked with him a few times myself, I, I completely concur with that. Definitely one of the nicer guys, one of the more harder working guys you'll ever meet. So, uh, good on him. And, uh, we'll see, uh, take the, take the positives from this uh, season and also uh, see what you can build from the negatives, see what you need to do, see what you need to fix moving forward. But uh, I think we covered pretty much all we need to with Lake County. I mean, of course, Nolan Jones, again, we could probably do a whole separate show on that, but uh, 
his season in progression this year was just off the charts good. And as you said, thinking about a future infield with him and Lindor on the left side and Ramirez and and possibly Bobby Bradley on the right side, that's a lot of fun to think about in theory, but of course, still a year or two away from that, so we'll see what happens. Uh, getting down over to your neck of the woods, Corey. Mahoning Valley Scrappers in 2018. Uh, division winners for the second year in a row, and I think it was almost squarely on the back of one Tyler Freeman. I mean, there was other great contributors as well. Jose Nelson, Luis Oviedo, uh, Jose Fermin, uh, Richard Palacios, uh, all kinds of contributors. But Tyler Freeman was the story of this 2018 Scrapper season. So I'll let you take it from here because you got to spend a lot of time with the Scrappers working for them this year, and especially around guys like Freeman. Uh, your takeaways. Yeah. Um, all Tyler Freeman did was set team records in batting average, total bases, doubles and hits um i mean that alone is enough to explain itself tyler freeman hit everything <laughs> that pretty much came his way jim pangovitz the scrapper's manager and he's been in baseball a long time has coached at a lot of different levels said himself that tyler freeman's the best hitter he's ever seen you get an endorsement from a guy who's been in baseball that long that means something now with that you got to look at everything as a whole he hit 352 this season, but, and I'm not saying only, but a 405 on base. He only drew eight walks in 72 games. If there was anything, and I'm nitpicking at this point, because Tyler Freeman had an absolute phenomenal season, is, is in my mind, a top two or three candidate for our player of the year and the Indians' Meyer League player of the year, um, without a question just on what he did this season, the impact he had. When, when he was out of that scrapper's lineup, which wasn't often, it was only four games, you could tell there was something missing. He had that big of an impact on this team, and he was a clubhouse leader, very vocal vocal guy in the clubhouse. Community loved him. Fans loved him. All around, I mean, he's going to go down as one of the better players to come through Mahoning Valley um, as a scrapper. And obviously only 19 years old. He's got a lot of developing to do once he gets – to that next level. So I think he should start in Lynchburg. I don't even, I, I see no reason to start him in Lake County next season. So that's a good feel. I want to talk about Jose Fermin because I feel like he doesn't get a, enough run in the Indians prospect community. I think he's a very under the radar middle infield prospect. Played 71 games, which was right behind Tyler Freeman's 72. I mean, he was the client to Tyler Freeman's bond. Um, Fermin hit 279. He hit, he, only had two home runs. He's not a power guy, but 17 stolen bases in 21 chances. He had 39 walks compared to 26 strikeouts. And I, I tell you what, those are pretty good numbers for a 19-year-old middle infield prospect for an international signing, too. I really liked what I saw from Jose Fermin this season. Uh, the, the Scrappers had plenty of all I believe it was five All-Stars they had selected. Jose Nelson won a Player of the Month award. The thing about Nelson, though, is he kind of – I don't know if you let that get to his head or what, but he really fell off after winning that Player of the Month award in June – or, excuse me, July. But um, you had guys like Freeman and Fermin right at the top of the lineup. Mitch Reeves put a good, consistent 274 out as a first baseman. He was an all-star this season. And then you go down to Richie Palacios, who hit 411 in 20 games before getting promoted. Uh, up to Lake County. How about Palacios getting drafted 
third round out of Towson this season. When you add up all his numbers, Arizona League, Mahoney Valley, and Lake County, he hit 361 in 45 games this season, and that's coming off a college year. So I'm curious to see what they're going to do with Palacios. He might be a, a candidate to start right in Lynchburg as well. And then you go down to the starting rotation. Luis Oviedo was the ace of this roster before he got promoted up to Lake County. Four and two of the 188 ERA and nine starts. He won three straight New York Penn League Pitcher of the Week awards to open the season. Um, you had Eric Algreed in the back end of the bullpen, who had seven saves for the Scrappers. Seven saves is a pretty impressive number, in my, in my opinion. Um, then you had guys come up from the Arizona League, like a Shane McCarthy. Um, you had uh, Eli Lingos make his, his debut. Skylar Arias made his debut. Uh, Zach Draper was pretty solid as a starter, a 304 ERA and 14 starts. Good stuff coming from Mahoney Valley this season. Yeah, that second straight division crown. But in my opinion, those two middle infielders, Freeman and Fermi, those are the two guys you've got to keep an eye on going forward now. Freeman, without a question, one of the best prospects in the Indian system this season. That guy had a chip on his shoulder this year, too, after having the injury in the offseason that mm-hmm. held him back for a little bit. And, uh, man, talk, if, if that's how he plays when he has a chip on his shoulder, I want that. I don't want that chip going anywhere. So, uh it's but uh, it's great to see him. Uh, great to see him perform so well this year, coming off of injury, and really he's right in in the mix of the right in the middle of uh, most prospect rankings, like the uh, top the new top thirty rankings has Freeman right in the middle uh, in the teens as far as our prospects. He could be top ten. Probably you can make a case for him. I'm that's probably if not the top one, at least one of the top three. Storylines I'm looking forward to watching next season is Tyler Freeman's sophomore season uh, in affiliated ball. See how he uh, responds and uh, builds off of this this campaign. And Victor Palacios also very intriguing. Been 411 in in Mahoney Valley this year. Romine's an interesting guy. Uh, Nelson's an interesting guy. Had a, some good power numbers this year. Henry Pujols really came on late uh, as a hitter. I want to see what he can do. But on that pitching staff, though, you had, of course, Oviedo, who's going to be fun to follow next season. But, you know, Zach Draper you mentioned, uh, uh, Skylar Arias, Randy Valadares, uh, I think he was also an all-star, Luis Santos, uh, you mentioned Shane McCarthy, Dakota Clemmer, Alex Royalty, uh, and then, of course, Adam Scott and... Uh, as who we mentioned before, uh, there are some interesting guys who came up late uh, or were in the bullpen all year or in the rotation all year who kind of flew under the radar. But uh, again, some interesting guys to watch. Uh, not nearly the uh, the plentiful crop we had last year as far as pitchers go in, in Mahoney Valley, but still some intriguing names to follow. But yeah, the big names, I would say, if you were to narrow it down to three big names, I would say uh, Tower Freeman, Richard Palacios, Luis Oviedo. Those are my big three to watch moving forward uh, heading into next season as far as players from Mahoney Valley. And I wrote about it, and I'm not going to dwell too much upon it because the Scrappers still made the playoffs and had their chance, but you noticed when the Indians organization promoted Oviedo, Clemmer, and Scott to Lake County, you noticed production dip from that pitching staff. And uh, with that, the offense kind of had to respond a bit. Uh, we, we talked in lengths about Fermin and Freeman already, but Mitch Reeves showed power. Jose Nelson had a great month of July. 
Henry Pujols came along at the beginning of August. He was one of our Player of the Weeks uh, award winners. Uh, I believe it was beginning of it was either beginning of August or right in the middle. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but and then you got to see a, a little taste of some guys come up from the Arizona League. Uh, Jonathan Engelman hit 403 games, albeit he went four for ten. Uh, Ruben Cardenas went three for, or five for thirteen in five games. Uh, you got to see Stephen Kwan go four for 12 at the plate in four games. So you got to see a little taste of some of the guys that you're probably going to see in Mahoning Valley next season as well with those three guys. Um, usually you see roster shuffle come in with Arizona League guys and guys going to Lake County, but there really wasn't too much of it. Also, I noticed there was only one rehab appearance, and it was Cody Anderson. It was very late in the season. Usually you don't. You usually get one or two at that level, but uh, you didn't get one really in Mahoney Valley, so they didn't get that kind of help per se. But um, there's a lot more to be excited about. Obviously, for me, or, or excuse me, Freeman, Palacios, and Oviedo, but I want to keep an eye on Jose for me next season to see how he responds in a likely full season scenario. Yeah, before we move on, Mitch Reeves is also intriguing to me because I wrote about him recently in a, a Diamonds in the Rough. He was a big time slugger in. Uh, uh, college and put up some good power numbers, but also uh, drew drew a lot of walks and he did the same again this year. Uh, drew posted a 358 on base while batting 276. The power hasn't quite shown itself in the professional ranks, but he's a guy who could be interesting if he continues to hit for average and gets get on base uh, while eventually bringing in some of that power he showed in college. So that's somebody to keep an eye on moving forward. So. Uh, um, talking about, uh, Arizona really quickly before we wrap things up here, some of the more intriguing players out of Arizona this year were the draft picks from, uh, from this year, more notably guys like, uh, first round pick Noah Naylor or Bo Naylor, as he is known now, uh, Ethan Hankins made his debut, uh, in, uh, Arizona this year, and uh, Lenny Torres as well. Two top round pitchers. Uh, Raynell Delgado is a top round shortstop, six round pick, played pretty well. Batted over 300 with an OPS near 800 in uh, 46 games. Um, but yeah, Bo Naylor, really intriguing guy. Uh, already out of uh, out of uh, Canada and uh, batted 274 with a 783 OPS uh, and. You know, had some showed a little bit of power, some extra base power, hitting ability, and uh, also showed some solid defense behind the plate as well. So, uh, and Lenny Torres, I think I, I'm intrigued by Lenny Torres because he is a guy who has shown uh, uh, good stuff and good strikeout ability, and he did so again here in among the professional ranks. 176 ERA and six appearances. Uh, he struck out 22 batters in 15 and a third innings. That's pretty. That's pretty impressive when you consider it. And a 117 WHIP. So, and then Ethan Hankins, who was coming back from injury, uh, he pitched pretty well in his two appearances. Only gave up two runs and uh, three innings, which you know equals out to a six ERA. But uh, six strikeouts in three innings. So take that for what it's worth. But uh, you know, there's a lot of guys who made some made their first appearances in Arizona this year. And then also Quentin Holmes is kind of an interesting storyline because he 
played only he only played in uh, seven games this year, but he came back and finished the season a little kind of strong. Uh, his last uh, six games or so had uh, a few hits, and he had hits in his last three games. Hit his first professional home run and had uh, a couple of steals, so he was finally able to get back. Uh, I think it was a calf injury he had. But uh, other than that, uh, we won't go too deep into Arizona because there's so much to cover. But uh, as far as guys like Torres and Baylor and Hankins and uh, Delgado, uh, some interesting uh, guys to follow out of Arizona this year. Yeah, the first thing I wanted to mention was Quentin Holmes. You touched on it briefly and how he only played seven games this season. I hope he's healthy. That's the number one thing for me because – even when they when the Indians drafted this guy in the second round, the thought was, yes, he's a very fast baseball player, but what else can he be? Well, he hasn't been able to be much lately, so he's got to come into 2019 healthy. It's a big thing for him this offseason is to get healthy because um, we know he can run. We know he can play the outfield, but can he do much else? We haven't seen much of that lately. Um, Reynold Delgado is a name that stood out to me hitting 306 in 46 games. Um, the walks and strikeouts were pretty impressive. 44 strikeouts to 30 walks. So he's shown that ability already. 10 doubles um, also to add to that. So he had a pretty solid season. And then Bo Naylor, obviously, your first-round draft pick this season, um, hitting 274 in 33 games with a couple of home runs and about three triples. That's impressive, too, for a catcher, uh, someone his size, six foot 195. So his ability to get around the bases as well. Those are a few names that – I'm going to keep in track in, in my next season. Those guys are going to be in Mahoney Valley. So that'll be exciting to have guys like Engelman and Cardenas and Naylor and uh, Holmes and Delgado. And you mentioned, uh, you mentioned some of the pitching there's going to be some good names coming through Mahoney Valley, get, making their affiliated fall debuts next season. So good. It, it's good to see these guys get working and get into action and get incorporated into the system. So we'll see how they come out next season. Yep, looking forward to it, and uh, the pitching as well. As I said, Torres and Hankins, those are two intriguing names to follow, in, in my opinion. Uh, well, Corey, we've kind of been going on for a while here, uh, well over an hour on this podcast, so uh, what do you say we wrap it up quick here and give some quick final thoughts? Yeah, I think it's impressive that um, three of the uh, five Indians affiliates made the postseason. I think that's something we lose a lot in minor league baseball is that it's about development, yes, but I feel like winning is a part of it. I've had this take before, obviously, but winning's a part of that. You got to teach these kids how to win, and having two of the A ball affiliates make the postseason in Mahoney Valley and Lynchburg, and then you have Double A Akron making it uh, all the way to the championship series. I think that speaks volumes to what this organization has been trying to put together for the past few seasons. After somewhat gutting the farm system, you know, about six or seven years ago, there really wasn't much there. When you look at the top prospects and you'll kind of laugh at some of the names that you'll read, now you have four, five, maybe six, um, I don't want to call them blue chip guys. You have at least three blue chip guys right now in the Indian system. And then you have a bunch of other guys that are really solid as prospects coming through the system. But to have, consistency at at least three of your five levels making the postseason and then one of those levels making the championship. I think that's really impressive. And uh, the the bow on that present is good luck to Akron in the championship series. And 
Uh, let's see if they can pull it off. Would that be two or three years, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, let's just uh, serve as a reminder. The last time the Rover Ducks won a championship was the year the Indians went to the World Series. So uh, take that for what it's worth. That's really cool. And it's not Dave Wallace's fault. It's Tony Mancelino. Mancelino's done a fantastic job. Every ever step since, along the way. Yeah, ever since getting involved as a manager and as a coach in this system, he's just been solid, rock solid. He's really an under-the-radar minor league mind that the Indians have had. And think about the guys that have come through, like Mark Budzinski, who's obviously in the Indians dugout, guys like Dave Wallace. Um, oh, also another note, good luck to – Indians legend Omar Vizquel in the uh, Carolina League Championship Series. The Winston-Salem Dash, the affiliate of the White Sox, they're in the championship as well. Yeah, yeah, good luck to him and uh, his, his managerial debut. Great to see him uh, doing well uh, as well. I had not seen that, so uh, thanks for uh, pointing that out. Uh, my final thought is simply to be tuning in next week because we are going to get to our, our Farm Report Player of the Year awards. Uh, and we'll be revisiting our preseason predictions. Oh boy, that'll be fun. And uh yeah. talking about <laughs> talk that'll be up for that'll probably be up for a good laugh. And uh then we'll give out our uh our uh imaginary hardware to the uh Indians best prospect formers of the twenty eighteen season. So uh be sure to watch out for that uh coming next week. But we want to thank you for joining us for an extended edition this week. We've talked a lot, covered a lot of ground, every affiliated level of the Indians minor league system, including Arizona. Uh, great to get to all that and talk about some of the top storylines from the 2018 campaign uh, on the prospect level. So, uh, Corey, it's been a pleasure. Glad to have you back. Glad you were able to uh, be recover enough to be able to do this, and I know you enjoy doing it, and you're probably a little restless right now, so I'm sure, uh, sure it was fun for you to get back on the airwaves here. It felt so good just to sit down and pop my laptop open and start to read um, just some storylines and revisit some of the stuff that I've been getting used to. And it's not fun being away from the game. It never is. I'm, I, I guess I could consider myself on the 60-day DL for now. Uh, but this is, a, this is a good rehab start, I would say. Very good rehab start. So, uh, yeah, we'll uh, take it as it comes, and uh, we'll – We'll uh, revisit the, your team doctors, and uh, we'll take it from there, right? Yeah, uh, a week from Tuesday, so I guess when this gets posted next week, I go up for a follow-up. So um, things should be good from here, and uh, we'll see what the doctor says. And I'm just taking it easy for about another month or so. And uh, don't get me wrong, cabin fever's already set in. But, uh, yeah, um, it, it's good to be back. It's just nice to be up and moving and – somewhat active and um of course back in the baseball scene as the season the major league season is winding down to these these postseason races these wild card chases are all fun to watch yes indeed so uh as we wind down the uh, far report season uh as well we will have our final season final episode of the season coming next week so be sure to tune in for that and uh it was another thanks again for another great season of uh, prospect talk here on the Smoke Signals Network. I uh, hope we will we'll be back again next year. Uh, of course, we'll be back during the off season as well, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, until then, though, uh, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jake D Baseball. Corey's at CD Kristen. 
I'm sure Corey can still be tweeting up a storm. Uh, one of the few things he's still allowed to do, right? <laughs> yeah, that's one of the good things I'm. That's one of the things I'm good at for, for now is just tweeting right now. I'll be watching the. Uh, I'll be watching the LA Rams game tonight. So good. Good to see football back too. I mean, high school. High school's in full swing. College is back. NFL's back. It's that time of year. Yeah, it definitely is. So. Uh... Uh, again, I'm at Chickasaw Baseball. Corey's at CD Christen. Tweet us up for any prospect questions, any or any baseball sports talk in general. You can hit us up there. Uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Leave a nice rating and spread the word. That is all we ask. So until next time, for uh, Corey Christen and Farm Report Podcast, I'm Jake Dungan, and we say to you, have a good one. For questions and comments, you can email us at smokesignals at indiansbaseballinsider.com. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter at SmokeSignalsIBI, where you can find links to all our shows, as well as poll questions and other cool podcast stuff. Thanks again for listening.